Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. This podcast is brought to you by You're the Best, a celebration of friendship, a collection of essays by the Satellite Sisters, available October 2015 at SatelliteSisters.com or wherever books are sold. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan here with my sister, Julie Dolan. It is Tuesday, October 6th. Julie, this is uh, coming up our first recap of Madam Secretary season two debut. Are you ready? Are you I'm ready for that? I'm excited, Leanne. I'm very excited. Yes, it was a big episode on Sunday. <laughs> a lot happened in that episode. They jammed a lot in. But we have a lot of news to get to before we get to Madam Secretary. Um, we have a whole college admissions block, some interesting articles from the Facebook page. I want to recommend a book on that. Julie, you have Tuesday Trends. Yes. I have something I'm calling Tiny Bits. <laughs> I'm intrigued, Lynn. Well, it is Tuesday. You can go small on Tuesday, Leanne. That's our rule, right? And nothing is too small for Tuesday. And then once again, the New York Times is listening to Satellite Sisters and stealing our content and putting it on the pages of the New York Times. Mm -hmm. uh, right, Urban Nana? Yes. I, I'm, I'm a, really, I have a fair amount of outrage that I wasn't contacted by the uh, New York Times. But we're going to get to that. Okay. All right. But first, hey, we got a surprise posting on the Facebook page last night. You know, hey, sisters, so excited to see You're the Best automatically downloaded to my Kindle. Yes, people, apparently Amazon has decided that today is our publication day. <laughs> hey. That's exciting, Leanne. Except it is. Didn't tell us. It right? is. I know. That's the thing. Our official publication day is October 27th. And back in the day, um, like five years ago, when that you had your publication day, it was sacrosanct. A bookstore could not put your book out before publication day. It could not be sold like under penalty of, you know, publishing industry death. And now Amazon runs the show. So whenever Amazon gets the book in the e-format and it's ready to go, it's available. Or whenever the books show up, the hard books, actually, the paper books show up in the warehouse, they start shipping, no matter what your publication date is. So thank you for letting us know that you're the best, A Celebration of Friendship. Our new book is available on your Kindle. We have no control over any of the other release <laughs> dates. I, I cannot stress this enough. So, uh, so for those of you who pre-ordered through Amazon, you may get your books any day. We don't know. So, uh, but, but that's a reason to pre-order. I mean, I'm, I'm incentivized to do that, Liam. That's but, true. Although the other people want to support their local bookstores and oh, those well, bookstores probably will not put the book out till October 27th, the publication day. But thanks to people who let us know. Thanks to everyone who's pre-ordered or ordered a bunch for gifts. Uh, thanks for the, you know, nice little review. We got a, we got a little review on the Facebook page. Enjoyed it. 
they enjoyed it, Julie. So it I'm is. I'm glad to hear that, Lena. I know. That's the point of the book is it, pure enjoyment. It isn't is. It? it is. It is. We want to make you laugh. We want to make you smile. We want to make you think. Maybe you'll cry a little bit. And that is a very fun Amazon review. So you can quote me <laughs> if you want to go to Amazon. <laughs> And leave that review. <laughs> but Did you just want to dictate that again very clo- slowly, Lance? So as people are listening to this podcast, they could just write that down and p- uh, post it online. No. But but thanks for letting us know. It is a funny thing that we you have no control over it. And uh, you know, and there's no there there at Amazon. There's like, no one you can call. It's just a big <laughs> algorithm. So, can we quote you on that? Yes. You can put yes, that up can. on the on on the review too. Yes, you can. So uh so that that's the situation, but it is available on Kindle and it'll be rolling out of warehouses and in bookstores soon. And that is exciting. Um, again, you can go to our events page if you're looking for information on events and uh, at SatelliteSisters.com. That's the best place to find information about the book and all the events and anything else you need to know at our website, SatelliteSisters.com. All right, Julie, last week on the show, I mentioned... Um, I mentioned that uh, I was the auctioneer, going to be the auctioneer at the big ladies night out cancer support group fundraiser. And uh, yes, now how did that go, Leanne? I mean, because this is a wild group of women, like over 250 women that get together uh, to raise funds. They leave all their spouses and partners at home and it's just the girls, right? Right. Uh, and you were, you're in charge of them. Okay. So how did it go? You know what? It went really well. We raised oh. a lot of money, which was really great. I have to tell you, doing the auction is so stressful. I can't, <laughs> I've done a million gigs. Like I don't, when I'm emceeing, I don't get nervous when I'm talking, you know, I get excited, but I don't get nervous. But the auction, there is a lot of responsibility on your shoulder because you're raising money. In many cases, it's their biggest fundraiser of the year uh-huh. and you have to keep everything straight. And, um, last year- I usually year- have professional auctioneers that go to like auctioneer school. Yes. To do, right. Yeah. Yeah. And they, yeah. And they know how to do, pre- they know how to pressure and, and squeeze things and split gifts. And a lot of times the, those professional auctioneers, they come with like spotters who talk people in the audience into uh, buying stuff or raising their bids. You know, this group doesn't have that. It's more, uh-huh. uh, it's more um, organic, I would say, you know, people, the people are of the community, from the community, and they believe in this organization. So that's kind of how they run it, which is really nice. And uh, so, but last year we had some technical difficulties. Uh, one being there was a big light shining in my eye. And <laughs> oh, that's bad. Because you see. have to be able to look out at yeah. the bidders, I assume. And if you're yeah. blinded by the light, that yeah. doesn't sound that, I, that I had a very hard good. time seeing last year. And um, they had decided to go with an all cell phone system of bidding. You just hit the bids on your cell phone, but that was problematic. Of course, as you can imagine. So people were just holding up their dimly lit cell phones. <laughs> oh. All I have to say is we completely revamped the auction. We went old school with the paddles. We had volunteer spotters. They had lightsabers that were so funny, like people waving, like I got a bid over here. Cause it's a big, vast, you know, group of people. So all in all, it went a thousand times better. We, we made it through. People were very generous. Um, you know, I know enough people now, so I can call out the bidders by name. If I didn't get your name, Paddle 241, I'm very sorry, but, um, it was really, it was fun, but it is like, Whew, when you are done with that, I was just, it's a relief. I felt like this must be, 
this must be what it's like to be on Broadway. You know what I mean? Like just like to do physically exhausting. And... Like even my legs hurt the next day. And I, I was <laughs> like, just, I had been tense, you know? So I, I just, I guess all that adrenaline coursing through your body to keep, to keep you going. Now I've been to events, Lee, and I've worked on school auctions and where they've hired professional auctioneers and the contract from the professional auctioneer is like absolutely only eight items will not do, you know, will not speak about any ninth, 10th or 11th items, you know, that they're very specific about how many items they'll do. Cause I, it seems like it's hard to keep the momentum going and to keep the excitement. I mean, usually have some, somebody that's had a, couple of cocktails and we'll bid wild, wildly, but, but it's hard to, you know, keep people's attention, right? It's very hard. And, w- and when I originally yeah, said it's... yes to this, there were eight items and then it was nine and then Oops. it was 10 and then Oops. it was 11. And that's eight is the magic number. We went to 11, uh, uh as they say in Spinal Tap and that it was, I, I don't want to say begging at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, groveling. So that I mean, that's why your legs hurt because you were on your knees. I, that's what it was. Yeah. Like, please, yeah. doesn't anyone want to spend a week in Mexico at a luxury hotel? No one did. No one. Somebody got that week in Mexico for a song because that was the 11th item. Um, but it does, eight is the magic number, you okay. know? So that, but, but we, we powered through nine, 10, 11, we powered through and, uh, they were thrilled. The people who organized it were thrilled, um, with the evening and with the auction and everything like that. So, uh, I did it. I'd like to thank Solana Gallo for my professional hair and makeup. Cause that keeps you focused. Like you don't have to worry about that. I got hair and they donated hair and makeup to the cause and I was the beneficiary. So that was good. Uh, so I appreciated that. I liked when the makeup girl said to me, so how long is your usual makeup routine during the day? I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. it's like, um, they're so, they're so cute when they, they ask that kind I of know. question, aren't they? You know, they ask that at the makeup counter right. too. I mean, I know. I mean, like when I take the face cloth and right. wipe it across my face and put sunscreen on, uh, 45 seconds. And you know, the makeup artist told me she puts fake eyelashes on every day. She does. Every day. Because she said, when I'm out pushing the baby in the stroller, what if my clients see me and I don't have my eyelashes on? I was like, I don't know. Yeah, Yeah. she's got a good point. Right. So (laughs) anyway, it was a really fun night and we raised a lot of money for a good cause. So that was the most important thing. And I I was just wiped out on Saturday though. Wiped out. I think you could actually still hear it in my voice on Sunday. I listened back to the podcast. I was like, I was still tired Sunday morning. So uh, (laughs) it was a lot of, you know, your voice is actually really tired afterwards Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when you're begging people to stop talking. So... (laughs) I'm begging you, I'm begging you to stop talking. No, it was. Well, Leanne, that's it's quite a skill. It takes a lot of talent, and I'm proud of you, little sister. I, and I am and not you did available it for a good cause. You I am not there. available for any other auctions. Do not, do not. If you if you are hearing this, thinking, hey, no, Mm-mm. no, <laughs> no, <Okay>. no. <laughs> You've done it. Move on, Lee, and you'll find something else that you can uh, invest your talents in. Yes, so. yes. Well, Leanne, I want to bring your attention to maybe you saw this several people on her Facebook um, uh, page. Uh, Sue, uh, I think, was the first who uh, posted the article that appeared in The New York Times this past Sunday in the real estate section 
about a trend. You know how the New York Times likes to identify trends? Yes. Well, this, the big trend that they identified is that some grandparents are moving back to New York City to help take care of their new grandchildren and are deciding to stay on. So this was a story, if you can believe this, about grandparents that live in other parts of the country and when their you know, son or daughter-in-law or, or daughter and son-in-law um, have their, their baby, the grandparent returns and they become the, uh, the principal child care um, giver for the child, for the, you know, for the two working parents. Does this at all sound familiar, Leanne? Does this <laughs> sound like anything that you have ever heard of? No? Huh? I, Julie, I could not believe, I was incensed for you. I, I yeah. mean, they practice, talk about ripped from the headlines. They ripped it from your own life, Julie. They ripped it from your life. They ripped I it from the podcast. I have been talking about Urban Nana, I, you know, for over a year. A year, so yeah. I, Because you know, I took an assignment where yeah. I went to Brooklyn to uh, take care of my granddaughter, Josephine, mm. when my uh, uh, daughter-in-law went back to work full-time. So, and even in the third paragraph, as Sue had pointed out, they mentioned that the grandparents are dressed in all black with crossbody bags. Yeah. Now, have we talked about crossbody bags yes. on the show? Yes, we have, so Julie. The we, fact we have. That, the fact that they did not contact me, I, I, I just, when I know they were listening to our podcast, they have seen my posts about the <laughs> urban Nana, you know, and know. this is, this is how they drummed up the idea. Yeah. So, but you know, this article was, was very nice. And it talks about grandparents who have made this big change. They've moved back and sort of the joys of taking care of their grandchildren and also the joys of being back in the, the city and enjoying living in New York City, you know, later in their life. And that, that they are, you know, they like the adventure. They didn't, you know, these are grandparents that didn't want to just live in a retirement community. They like the stimulation. They like the challenge of taking buses and, and subways. And all the pictures in the article feature uh, grandparents, happy grandparents and happy grandchildren on very sunny days at the park <laughs> and at the swings. That's... Now, you know, I was in, you know, I was in Brooklyn in the dead of winter. The worst, worst winter, winter ever. In a, like a thousand years. And I was pushing that. They have no pictures of strollers where you have to push them over, you know, the plowed snow. They have none of that, Leanne. They don't have the piles of ice. They don't have the wind. They don't have any pictures of grandchildren being stuffed, you know, stuffed into their snowsuits and hating it. You know, they don't have any of that, Leanne. So, so, um, so that was... That's some of my objections to, uh, to, to the article, but what is, what is the most, you can go online and read this. I think it's the, like, it's the most popular, one of the most popular stories at the New York times right now about, about these grandparents is that are the comments, uh, from New York times, uh, readers about this article. Now, I guess the New York Times readers, that's a subset uh, of, you know, the total population out there. And the range of comments, there is a range. I mean, some people think this is a wonderful thing, how great, uh, great this is. A number of people comment that, you know, it, you know this, is, this is very common in many cultures, you know, in Hispanic cultures and Asian cultures and Indian cultures, that, of course, grandparents are taking care of, you know, of the grandchildren and helping out in the family setting, that this isn't so unusual. But then there's a group of people that I know, um, that I read their comments, um, and I know if my, our, my, our dear mom... 
if she had read them, she would say, these people need to get outside and get some fresh air because <laughs> they have lost their minds, Leanne. These are people that were totally incensed by this article. Uh, they're, they're, I, I assume that they, they've taken sort of a Marxist interpretation of this whole situation, that they feel that this is free labor that's being exploited, that these you know elderly people are working for free. This is elder abuse. Really? Yes. They're, they're very strong comments about, you know, lots of objections to this, that, you know, this is, you know, that, uh, of course, it's a class issue as well, that only the affluent families can afford this, that, you know, uh, New York is too gritty and dangerous for, uh, for grandparents. And it's just wildly unfair that these two, you know, that these working parents are forcing these elderly people, you know, at, you know, at these, in their end of their lives to, to be doing this very difficult type of physical work. So isn't that surprising when people read something and have a reaction that is like a thousand times different than what you would. Yes. I just, okay. I I mean, I don't know. I mean, that is not the way I would have thought the comments would have gone, but alrighty. No, I mean, it's just, again, I maybe, maybe they are not grandparents. I don't know. I mean, because the thing is, I don't think if you're a grandparent, spending time with your grandchildren is not, you don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's not elder abuse. You don't, it's not elder abuse. (laughs) It's not, you know, you don't see yourself as some exploited worker. You know, you, you you just, you are treasure the, the time that you get to spend with your, you know, with your grandchild and stuff. And, uh, I thought, you know, so but it's all there. So a, a range of uh, opinions. Um, and my, of course, my opinion is they should have talked to me and I would have, uh, <laughs> I should have been featured in this story and I'm going to continue, uh, continue my quest as urban Nana. But um, it's nice to see that other grandparents are doing that as well. And I, I'm not surprised, you know, I think uh, it's, again, you're helping your children, either you're helping your son, your daughter-in-law. I mean, you know, you, it's, it's maybe, yeah, maybe you can get together and form a meetup, urban, urban grandparent meetup. Is that your next, I know it to the next level, urban Nana. I know we're all in black with our cross body, body bags. We could just meet at the park. Sounds fun. You're open, you're open strollers because you don't know how to close them. (laughs) That's exactly right. <laughs> okay, I didn't even read the article out of solidarity for you, Julie, because I knew you had invented it. I knew it. I knew it. So well done, well done. All right. Well, we always like to keep our eye out on the New York Times. You know, by the, speaking of that, keeping our eye out, I, I have not received my Vermont Country Store catalog this <gasps> fall. <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. And so I'm going to have to, yeah, I'm going to have to order something, I think, from the Vermont Country <laughs> Store to get back on the You've been cut list. off, Leanne, that no more just free enjoyment, the free, the easy breezy life of yeah. just reading the Vermont Country Store catalog. Uh, you're going to have to, you're going to have to buy one of those things. What if I there. wanted some lemon up shampoo? Where would I get it? <laughs> All right. Several people on the Facebook page have been taunting me with the Vermont Country Store catalog. and I haven't gotten it yet. Maybe maybe they know in California it's still a million degrees. And so it would be even worse to get the Vermont Country Store catalog because apparently we're never going to need flannel pajamas here again. <laughs> <laughs> it would be too hot just to yeah. look at those. Would make it Honestly, we had our temperature finally dip below 85 on this weekend. And I made the pot roast. I made the mashed potatoes. And I, I was just glorious, glorious that it was like cool and raining and 70 degrees. And it's supposed to be 98 degrees again at the end of the week. So, 
Uh, I am. It's not sweater weather. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) All right. I don't know how I got derailed there, but I was thinking of other things that I I enjoy the comments. And the Vermont Country Store also has excellent (laughs) comments. (laughs) All right. We have a little college admissions block here. Uh, We have a small support group uh, on Facebook of people who have seniors in high school. I am one of them. Uh, I am a mother with a senior in high school, but I've already been through the college admissions process. And we've talked a lot about um, various things in terms of the differences between this generation of kids and previous generations of kids and what college professors are seeing and um, uh, in terms of um, kids having less resilience and being less able to cope and helicopter parenting. And so we had a good posting um, on the Facebook page by Leslie. She posted an article from Psychology Today called Declining Student Resilience, a Serious Problem for Colleges. And it was written by a guy named Peter Gray, who's a researcher uh, and psychologist at Boston College. So he knows of where he speaks. And what I also found interesting, speaking of comments, was we have quite a few college professors and people who work at colleges who listen to Satellite Sisters and are part of our Facebook group. And all of them said, "This is welcome to my life. This is my, this is my life. And just let me, you know, some highlights from this article where there's a sense, Julie, that um, today's kids, they are just, they don't know how to like take a licking and keep on ticking. They just, we have been so protective of them. Mm -hmm. We have made sure in the course of their lifetime that they have not really um, encountered too many difficulties and we've wiped those obstacles out of the way so that when they get to college, they said simple things can really throw them off track. And the Mm -hmm. author of this article had been invited to be part of a workshop on one college where the dean of students said, you know, they had a case where Two, two women at the college saw um, some mice in their college apartment, and they called the police because they were mice. <laughs> I mean. I think that's reasonable. I would have done that. I mean, I'm not too good with it. I'm rodents, Leanne. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, you can't. You can't call the police. No. They're, they're, they've got real work to do. No. Okay. Uh, you know, or like another student said she had been traumatized because her roommate had called her, you know, an unpleasant word, the B word. You know, oh. but it's just roommates having a fight. So, like, traumatized, that's a strong word for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. They obviously don't have siblings that were throwing <laughs> shoes at each other. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And mm-hmm. so I, it just made me it's, – it's a topic that's been on my mind lately because, obviously, I have a high school senior, and we're looking at schools. And sometimes we, we went to a bunch of – on a bunch of college tours, and sometimes the colleges, the tour guides would say things. And I would think to myself, well, that is ridiculous. <laughs> But did you say it out loudly? No. But like when they say, oh, you know, during final exams, we have puppy therapy and we bring puppies to the library. Well, that is ridiculous. (laughs) Okay. I'm with you, Liam. I mean, right. Just fuck up and take the exam. That's what you're there to do. It's not like you have to do anything else besides take the exam. Like it's four Mm -hmm. exams. I mean... Right? Maybe five. Maybe five. It would be nice to have a puppy, though. I, I know. I mean, I like puppies, too. But that's, uh-huh. and, uh, you know, another student made a big deal of saying, oh, the, the professors are always available. She said, in fact, one professor has noticed that his students email him in the middle of the night. So he's changed his sleeping schedule so he gets up at 4 a.m. so he can respond to student emails. Oh, that's ridiculous. I know. That's, oh, that, wow. And this is so, I, I it just, I had that in my mind when I read what the findings of um, this sort of panel was that this this author went to. 
because uh, it sounds like it's really made it difficult. These kids that are, they say they're less resilient and they're needy and they've really shaped the landscape for faculty and that they're just expected to do more handholding, lower their academic standards and not challenge the students too much. Well, and, what's the solution to this, Leon? Well, like more outward bound programs or something like that? Well, here's what I liked with the solution was that this guy said, because he said it's easy to sort of blame the parents and um, they blame helicopter parents that, that are, you know, they're the core of the problem. But he says he doesn't really blame just the parents. Okay. So he Hooray said, for that. Okay. he said, sometimes there are just a lot of larger forces in society that are happening. First of all, we have these continuous exhortations from experts who tell us about the dangers of letting kids be, you know, that we always have to buck up their self-esteem. I mean, that's been going on for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, He describes sort of kids and parents as the victims of the power of the school system and the schooling mentality that says kids develop best when carefully guided and supervised by students. Okay. So that's a whole kind of educational debate. And then he points to the increased legal and social sanctions for allowing kids into public spaces without adult accompaniment. Right. 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 I mean, you know, it's crazy that kids can't do some things now that we used to be able to, (laughs) I mean, I mean, there's certain things that you don't want to let kids do by themselves, but you're right. I mean, you know, kids cannot like walk home from school. They They can't can't, walk home from school, which would seem, and I know we're going to get emails where do my son lives on, we live on a busy street and I, I understand it's but there is like criminalization of people letting their kids ride their bikes right. to the mall or, right. you know, and I think, I mean, I used to regularly take the train into New York city <laughs> by myself. Well, and, you were unsupervised. And you were <laughs> a child. My whole, right. Nobody cared about you, Leanne. That no. was it. Okay. So no, you were like on your own. It was just, uh, that was, we were not one of those families where like the older kids took care of the younger kids. No. You know, they say that about large families. No. Yeah, the older kids were out and about, and the younger kids were on their own. So um, it's amazing you're an adult, Liam. That's what I can say. <laughs> no, but it has, it's on my mind as we're looking at schools for my youngest son that maybe some of these schools where there are puppies and the professors are emailing at 4 a.m. because this article in Psychology Today says that students get mad if the – if the professor doesn't call, doesn't respond right away to their tiny, tiny questions, they get angry and they call the dean. <laughs> they really oh. expect answers right away. But the, I don't know if the answer is waking up at 4 a.m. if you're a college professor, because you know what? Your boss isn't going to wake up at 4 a.m. to answer emails. But, um, uh, you know, I've been looking at that, like maybe more rough and tumble, maybe an academic environment where he's a little bit more on his own and shaping his own, you know, destiny. I don't know. I've been thinking about it a lot, um, particularly with the college admissions. So it's definitely worth a read. You can find it at our Facebook page. And then great comments from um, Rebecca, who said, I'm a college professor and just gave an exam yesterday. This article describes my life. And then Tara, who also works at a college, said, I could rant on for days about the neediness and inability to cope with criticism that staff and faculty on college campuses have to deal with. And now that I'm actually raising a son and see the parental advice, I understand why. (laughs) So uh, That's interesting. Yeah. 
And then Allison said, I couldn't agree more with this article. My daughter is doing an alternative ed for her senior year of high school and working as a bagger at a grocery store. She still wants us to fix things, but we are insisting she learn how to buy a bus pass, walk to work, and is filling out her own paperwork for a job. Some people around here probably think we are bad parents, but we are holding strong. So uh, there you go. Interesting okay. comments, interesting article, worth a read if you have kids in high school. Um, also worth a read, actually. I just finished a book that I really enjoyed and I wanted to pass along. Uh, people are always looking for book recommendations. And this is from an author named Meg Mitchell Moore. It's a novel called The Admissions. And I saw it got a couple of good reviews and I liked the cover. So I picked it up the other day and I really enjoyed it. And it's a story of a family who uh, is just living on the brink of kind of social uh, stressful destruction. They are trying to keep up with the Joneses on every front. And I know a lot of families feel like that. I know we feel like that. I know mm -hmm. I feel like that occasionally. So in this scenario, the mother is a real estate broker. The father works for a tech company and the daughter is a, like a high achieving high school senior. And I, I won't give away uh, the plot, but I will say, I thought the writing was great. I thought it hit on a lot of really interesting points. I thought it was very thoughtful. I thought it was funny in places. And I've read a lot of books lately um, that have been meant to be social satire, and they just end up being awful books about dreadful people. <laughs> <laughs> So no, don't recommend those. Those books I do not recommend, even though they seem to be getting good reviews. And I don't understand why. I think there's not one likable character in this entire book. But this book, The Admissions, I think has a relatable characters as the, you know, all the kids are relatable. The mother character is relatable. The father character is relatable. And I think situationally, it's very relatable. Okay. So I thought it was excellent. So I want to recommend the admissions by Meg Mitchell Moore. I'll put that on our, uh, on our, um, our website in the show notes. And then also, um, I was contacted, uh, this <laughs> contacted, I think it was in the spring or the summer by the guy, Julie, he runs the, uh, he runs the college admissions like page on Reddit. You know what Reddit, mm -hmm. you know, Reddit. Yes. Yes. I, I, I'm, I'm familiar with Reddit. Yeah. Yes. So, and I, you know, I thought that was, my son thought I was pretty cool that they contacted me as quote, a college admissions expert. I'm like, I just, <laughs> let's be clear. I'm not, I have never, ever positioned myself as such, but no. I did do that podcast a couple of years ago with my friend, Nancy, who mm -hmm. is a college admissions expert on college admissions, the college bound chronicles. So he dug up my name. So anyway, I, apparently I did an interview with him and, uh, I was very chatty and it posted this week. So if you, and the other people he has on are his college admissions toolbox podcast are people like, uh, the kid last year that was accepted into all eight Ivy leagues or <laughs> the kid that got 2,400 on his SATs or former admissions directors from Penn and Cornell and Chicago and me for some reason, me. So, Okay, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, listen, you've been through the process. You're you're the parent. That's very legitimate. I want to hear that podcast, and, I, and I'm sure many of our listeners would like to hear that too. So I know many of you have seniors. So I thought I will put again put a link to that at the Satellite Sisters page, the College Admissions Toolbox podcast. So there you have it. Okay. Well, Leon, you know, it is Tuesday, so I have just a couple of quick trends, and which uh, the first trend is. Well, maybe you know this because you have a high school senior that the show Friends, which, uh, you know, was on in the 90s and is now still on in reruns, 
is a giant hit with teenagers. That teenagers today watch Friends. That they they have 19 million people uh, like their Facebook page at Friends. How is that possible? My kids love Friends. You do? They, they do? love it. Yeah, they, they absolutely love it. Uh, it's and some episodes are inappropriate, but uh, they they love it. I miss Friends the first time around. Because I was giving birth. So I enjoy Friends. They love Friends. It's funny. You know, yeah, it's, no, just, it's a, it's it's a, a super very... funny show. So, and the characters are all like individual and funny. Yeah, but teenagers love it. Julie, it's on a hundred times a day. So that's mainly why, why it's Yeah, popular. it's on all night long on Nick at Night or TV Land or one of those. I don't know. We have the DVR set. We have 15 episodes every single time. Yeah, we have just constantly. But it's, you know, even though it's sort of out of date. I yeah. mean, the New York that the, you know, the Friends characters lived in is no longer, you know, that's not what New York is like now. The You know, the issues of being a 20-something are totally different now. It's but- true. Yeah, you're right when you think about it. Yeah. But it's still wildly popular. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, who knew? Well, I didn't know that. You didn't know? Well, did. my Brooks's car is named Rachel. For <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. Here's here's why boys like it. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. That's why boys just, like it. It is. She's <laughs> okay. still. Just in case you're wondering. I mean, they like all the the male characters are super funny. I mean, it's a super funny show. Yeah. It's wildly popular. Yeah. Yeah. Kids okay. talk about it all the time. Yep. Okay. Well, that that's the that's the first one. Second trend I have that um, is from from the Wall Street Journal that it's you don't. I mean, you have high school seniors, you have college students. You can forget about leadership. You do not have to teach them leadership. You don't have to put them in leadership positions because the new thing that everybody has to get behind is being learn to be a good follower. Because if you think about it. 70 to 90% of all work uh, is done by followers. It's not done by <laughs> leaders, true. right? Yeah. I mean, and that, you know, that, you know, business schools, you know, uh, companies spend all this time trying to figure out leaders and how to promote leaders and grow leaders. Well, no, 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 no. You need, you need followers and not just, not doormats. Okay. That, that's not what they're talking about, but they, they mean people that are self-starters, that um, and also have the confidence uh, and the ability to tell the leader, you know, the awkward truth about certain things when things aren't working. A good follower would be able to say to the leader, you know, like that's that, okay. This is not- so you don't want to be a sycophant. You want to no, be no, a- no, 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 okay. no, no. You def no. You definitely okay. you don't want to be a doormat at all. You don't want you know. You just you want to be you want to be good at your job. You want to have competence. You want to be a self starter. And you need to have the ability to, you know, to, to uh, speak to your bosses in an honest way and not in, not in that like managing up way where you're like pretending to, you know, to, to be the, you know, to be a yes, yes, man, yes, woman Mm -hmm. for the boss. So, Mm -hmm. um, so this is a new, you know, I, I mean, it's not totally new, but it's a new emphasis for companies to make sure that, you know, the follower is, uh, you know, that role is promoted because it's, it's hard to embrace. I mean, it's not like we grow up thinking like, oh, well, I just want to be a good follower. I mean, (laughs) there's no, there's no line on the common application, Julie, for, 
for followership roles, only gonna... leadership roles. So. Well, you think about it, you do like an airplane crew, okay? You you have followers, but they need to be competent at what they're doing. Or yeah. a surgical team, same thing. Right. They need to be highly competent in their particular role, and they need to be able to provide honest feedback to the leader leaders, and that good followers can bring out the best in a good leader. So, Okay, that's you... what they need, more pats on the back leaders yeah yeah <laughs> so i don't know i don't know i'm just i'm just it's, right. a, it's a trend right. and if you might you might see this now you might hear this uh, try it in a job interview if you're out you, to, you might try you try might try in a job play that angle up good follower i don't know it okay. seems risky it seems risky <laughs> third trend i just need to speak out about okay more magazine are you familiar with this magazine yes yes, yes julie yes it is a magazine that says it's for women of style and substance and I believe that I purchased a subscription to it maybe seven or eight years ago. I have never paid an addition, any additional funds to receive more magazine, and I still get it. So it is a little unfair of me to like express outrage with the magazine that I've been reading for free for the last seven or eight years. But that's the case. But it is targeted. It's supposed to allegedly it's targeted at women that are not, let me just say, they're not 20 or 30. So, but yet I think more magazine has realized that when you put older women on the cover of magazines, maybe they don't sell. Okay. Cause you know who they have on the cover this month? They have leave, leave Tyler. Is that how you say her name? How old is she? 20, 27. No, she's older. I, I thought they had a rule. They had to be 40 on the cover. No, 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 no. They've, they've, they've softened that. They, you know, oh, they have. Soft- all sorts of people in this issue, and this is the October issue, are 35, okay? It's just, it's not the same world, okay? No. I'm just telling you, as the oldest sister, stop, okay? I just, I mean, I, I enjoyed having a magazine that was targeted for for right. women of a certain age, of a certain style and substance. She's but- 38. Yes, 38 is not 48. Yes, it's not. It's not. She is 38, I, she though. She's not, not 22. But, okay, and she, she is a, like, yeah, she has a couple of kids. And yeah. She looks like she could be my one of my daughter in laws. Okay. So I'm just she saying. She does. Yes, she does. I, I'm That's just true. saying that it's just, yeah. I do not believe that we're from the same generation. So well, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, I just going on record. I think more magazine. You're, uh, I mean, I'm not going to cancel my subscription because <laughs> you don't know how. You don't, you don't pay for it. I don't know how, but I'm not paying for it. So I just. You're really showing them. You're really, you're showing them. Okay. (laughs) All right, Julie. Well, I have a few tiny bits and, um, that's, uh, first of all, you know, there's been quite a bit of discussion of man buns on the Facebook page. I mentioned it on the show and I would just like to speak up as the mother of a man bunner. Um, you know, my son is, has a man bun and he's been growing his hair out for a couple of years. And guess what? You know, when hair gets long, you have to put it back and hence the man bun. And I have to say, I think they're cute. So okay. I, I think we should stop worrying about men and their hair. You know, I feel for men, they don't really have a lot of hair options. You know, women, <laughs> our hair can be long, and short, we can curl it, we can perm it, we can dye it, we can make it purple if we want. 
I mean, my son has had his hair short, short, short for the first 19 years of his mm-hmm. life, right? I yes, mean, he, he used to always have a little uh, cute little buzz, buzz cut. cut. And then in high school, he had went to a school where they had to wear it above the collar. He's had no freedom of hair. Like, this is it. This is his one sort of identity uh, stamping thing that he's doing in his 20s. And I'm fine with that. So he looks fine. His girlfriend likes it. But here's the other problem for the man bunners. And I think this is why... People People are stuck with the trend. He has no idea what to do with his hair now. <laughs> you know, he's like, I guess I could cut it. I mean, we all, if you've ever grown your hair out, you know, it takes a long time to get there. You work through the parts with the bangs and how it looks awkward and this and that. And now you're at a stage where you can wear it back or wear it down. It looks good. And now you want to cut it. You got to go short again if you're a man. So this, that's why I think people are holding on to the man bun trend because they don't know what to do with their hair. Aha. Okay. <laughs> Just thought I would provide that insight. That, as... that insight is so valuable, Leanne. I, I will have so much more sympathy now for the, the next <laughs> right. man. Don't judge. They're trying to figure out what to do next. They're waiting okay. for some, le- they're followers, they're man bun followers. They're, and they're, they're waiting... waiting for a tiny hat, Leanne, is what they're waiting for. Yeah. They're waiting for a leader in the field of man buns to then cut his hair at, to a decent length so they know where to go next. And they just, they don't have that yet. No one has stepped forward and taken the leadership role in the man bun trend. All right. The other tiny thing I have, this made me laugh out loud when I saw it on the internet. So I think I'm going to share, said new way to clean your bathtub. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I only Ooh, that talk- must have been a big day at your house. <laughs> laughing out loud about cleaning the bathtub. I okay. promised tiny bits. Okay. Tiny okay. Uh, new way to clean your bathtub, Julie, just take a grapefruit, split it in half, cut it in half, pour salt on the top, and then scrub your bathtub with the salty grapefruit. <laughs> there you go. Thought it looked good. Did you, try, did you try it? Nope. Haven't tried it yet, but I'm going to. I thought that looked like a good idea. Natural cleaning. There you go. Who would have thought you could use a grapefruit? Uh, a salty grapefruit to clean your bathtub. I would not have, I would not have thought that. Seems like it would be end up sticky. sticky very, very salty. sticky. Very sticky and salty. Sticky and salty, but smelling good. I like the mm-hmm. smell of grapefruit, mm-hmm. don't you? Okay, you go ahead and try. <laughs> I can see rubbing the grape, salty grapefruit on your legs. That Yeah, you could really rub it anywhere when you think about it. You could rub it. Yeah, you could use it to clean your dishes. <laughs> like a grapefruit as a scouring pad. Is I just never really thought about it. So... You know, oh, that was tiny, Liam. Mm-hmm. Very tiny. Very, very tiny. All right. We are about to transition to Madam Secretary. Just for regular listeners of Satellite Sisters, we are also going to be um, issuing the Madam Secretary recap as a separate podcast. So you're listening now. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back. We'll re-intro who we are and go into our um, Madam Secretary recap. Um, you know, we'll see. It's uh, We'll see if there are people out there who just want a recap show, and maybe they'll discover Satellite Sisters. Those of you who are regular listeners, just keep listening. Keep listening. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop listening. All right. Stay with us. We're the Satellite Sisters. We'll be back with our recap of Madam Secretary. (music) 
You're listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California, with my sister Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. We regularly do a podcast called The Satellite Sisters, but once a week now we're doing a recap of one of our favorite TV shows, Madam Secretary on CBS. This week it was the season two debut, so we have season two, episode one. And Julie, a lot happened in this episode. I mean, there was singing, there was dancing, there was oath-taking, there was drug usage, and there was all kinds of stuff in this episode. What did you think of the first show of the season? It was a blockbuster, Leanne. I mean, it went right to the top, right at the beginning. I mean, I guess it was bound to happen that Elizabeth was going to be made president, but I didn't see it coming. So, and I was excited because that's our third woman president. We had Gina Davis, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and now we've had three women presidents on television, and that can only bode well for the future of the American Republic, I think. All right, let's let's get right down to it. We're going to go through the episode. We have commentary. You can always find us at SatelliteSisters.com. Um, but in the opening scene, we have the vice president show up. Now, Julie, I don't believe we'd seen the vice president before in Madam Secretary. He looked wholly unfamiliar and like he might have wandered in from um, a shoe salesman convention. Did he? I, I, I'm glad you said that because even though I've, saw, I've seen pretty much all of season one, I was like, who is that guy? Who is that guy? And uh, so it took me a second to figure out um, that he indeed was the vice president. And I was thinking the whole time, that guy could never get elected. I mean, I know no one looks good in a golf shirt, but <laughs> but he really did not look good in the golf shirt, did he? Well, he was feeling a little sick, Liam, too, okay? And he had that, uh, you know, President George Bush move where he vomited on his um, on his guests, which is never good, Liam. It's, it's never ne- good. But it, it did set up the, you know... Trans-Pacific, you know, trade agreement, which Mm -hmm. kind of echoes the real news. So that's what we get. We get the vice president. He goes down on the golf course uh, when he's talking to world leaders from the Asian countries about a trade deal. And then we cut to Elizabeth. And she, as we know, she's Madam Secretary or MSEC, as she is called by security. And her staff is briefing her on probably one of the stupidest plot points we're going to see all season. Let's hope that she has to appear in a talent show. And for some reason, she has to sing. Leanne, this was culturally very, very accurate. As you know, um, I've, I lived in Thailand for five years. My husband worked in Thailand, in Asia. It is very common in a business setting and a business meetings to have karaoke, to have singing contests. Really? So this, oh yes, Leanne. Oh yes. There was a lot of singing. My husband had to do a lot of singing when he worked in Asia. So this was culturally right on target, Leanne. Okay. Well, we have the staff members. They're all encouraging her. You can do it. We're going to write a funny song. It'll be a parody song of a Billy Joel song. And they love it. And of course, we all know, because we're looking at the staff members, that the staff of Madam Secretary at the State Department includes not one, but two Tony Award winners. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, really? They had to figure out how to bring in song and dance, Lee, and it was only a matter of time. So, uh, yeah, but this was accurate. So whoever did the research, uh, right on target. Oh, God. 
So we're setting that up. You know, the vice president goes down. She's got to sing. And then we see her cousin or her husband at the the war college where he's teaching now his military ethics class. And we have, uh, you know, soldiers from all over the world there for some reason, including a couple of Russians. And Julie, this is why I knew you would love the show. You also lived in Russia. What did you think of the Russian of the fake Russian accents? (laughs) They were very fake. Okay. That's what I Very, very, very fake. Okay. That's all I can say. Okay. But this whole thing is like setting up a blockbuster episode. Like what's happening to all the people running the government? Oh my gosh. How is she going to sing? And, and her husband, who also is an NSA agent, is being asked to cultivate some assets in his class. And then who should arrive on the scene? But Claire from Law and Order. Were you surprised to see her? As the NSA yes, handler? I was. But I thought, well, she, she's very experienced. Again, I was glad to see it was a mature woman in that role as the handler. But it's a really tough assignment. I mean, the idea that the professor, you know, the teacher could turn his students that way seems like it's just there. It's going to be very, very tricky. Yes. And she and he he objected, Henry, because as we know, he's the salt of the earth. He's more ethical than thou. He quotes E.M. Forster in his lectures. And there was a whole blackboard, which, first of all, no one uses anymore in a college. (laughs) Right. I mean, that college was like Oxford or something. Where did they film that? But he had all kinds of notes about all of Aristotle's, the eight books of Aristotle that no one would ever write on a blackboard anymore. But his his duty now is just to observe and uh, assess these Russians. And in the meantime, the next scene, we get it. Finally, what we've been waiting for, Madam Secretary arrives at the Oval Office and she is sporting the first tie blouse of season two, Julie. She's got the, uh, I, that's the tie an unfortunate blouse. Tre- it's an unfortunate trend, uh, I, I, you know, that I, 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 you know, that I'm sorry to see did not die uh, with season one. So, well, you had back. to actually wear them the first time around and th- that was traumatic, right? Those blouses. Yes, with the it big was. It's a very traumatic. That's right. In the 80s, I'm still not over it. So I see those shirts and I shudder. That's all I can say. See, I think it's a modern take. I I didn't wear them. I was fortunately spared the tie blouse. So for me, it looks like a fresh take, but I'm sure for you, it brings up a lot of bad memories. Yes, it does. It's kind of a trigger. I mean, they should probably put a trigger warning on the show. It is. It's a trigger shirt. Next next week, they're going to feature shoulder pads, and we'll all feel bad. So, oh, gosh, and perms. If those perms start back, I'm really, okay. I don't know what I'm going to do. So she's in the tie blouse. She's making breakfast. She's chatting with the fam. You know, she's always doing that. She's balancing work, life. She's doing it all. She's got the one son who fancies himself an anarchist and left the fancy Quaker school. And now he's writing a paper on a jailed journalist and his teacher won't approve it because she doesn't feel like that's a good role model. And there's some discussion there and high-fiving from the parents. But she's got to go to the White House, Julie. She has Mm. got to go to the White House. And uh, what happens when... When she gets to the White House, she discovers Air Force One is missing. <laughs> really bad news. That is really bad news, Liam. Yes. I thought that was a good plot uh, uh, line. You know, that could happen. You know, it's missing. I, I forgot to write down, what did they call it? The, the act that's, they're at DEFCON 3. Someone is trying to take out the top tier of the American government. What was it called? Not a Ponzi scheme. There was a word for it they used, mm. right? I didn't write yes. it down. I, I didn't write it down either. Okay. But it's, but it's now serious. So the president is missing. 
You have the vice president. He's out. He's, he's out of commission. He's out of right? commission. He's having he's gall sweaty. Bladder, yeah. gallbladder surgery, so right. which sounds terrible. And uh, third in line, Leanne, who would that be? This is a little civics test. That Speaker of the House. Okay. And where is he? He's out to lunch, man. No. <laughs> He's, no, 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 not the Speaker of the House. No, that was the Senate pro tem. The Speaker of the House is also on the plane, Leon. Oh, we, that's right. Best. I'm sorry. Okay. So now, so okay, because now we get down to number four. That is the Senate pro tem. Okay. And he. He's out not, to lunch. He was not mentally capable. And they yeah. were, he was a senator. They were just, it, it was a little secret. They were, you know, people were covering for him. But he uh, was not fully functioning, and it became quite obvious in the uh, in the Oval Office because he said, "Oh, I haven't been here in a while." He thought he was there for the Reagan administration. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> that was a good twist. So the next thing you know, our girl, uh, Sec- Madam Secretary, is being sworn in. She's taking the oath of office from who better than Supreme Court Justice Morgan Freeman? This- I think he should be a Supreme Court Justice, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, he he really brings a lot of gravitas to it, Leanne. He does. And I thought Elizabeth had a lot of gravitas as she took the oath. You know, yes. It was very good. It yes. It was very good. She was not gleeful or anything like that. Her, her good friend, the president, was missing. You know, things were starting. They're at DEFCON 3. It's a serious situation. Morgan Freeman does not blow the oath of office and gets it right. And he also directed that episode, by the way. And... uh and uh, that's it. She's now the third female president on TV. And it's very exciting for all of us watching on the couch. I'm sure you were excited. <laughs> I really was. I just, I didn't expect it in episode no. one. So it was, it was a very strong start. And she's told pretty much just stay here in the office, right? Just don't do anything. Don't tell anyone. She's got the prickly um, the chief of staff that she has to deal with. And just Russell Jackson, and you thought that they had reached some detente last season in season one, but they're back to their very prickly, mistrusting relationship here in episode two. So in the meantime, you know, she's just going to stay put, and they have to go get her family, right? That's the thing. Like, oh, now her family is in danger, and they all have to come to the White House. And where do they find her daughter, Stevie? Stevie, Stevie. the college dropout. Stevie, Stevie. 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 Just continues to make incredibly bad choices with her life, right? Am I right? So where is she? She is in the arms of her new boyfriend. Right. And and he's a fine fellow, isn't he? The new boyfriend, right? He is the president's son. That's the good news. The bad news is, unfortunately, he's just gotten out of rehab for the third time, and he appears to be not sober anymore because in in a completely, like, we knew this is coming. Oh, let me wear your leather jacket scene. Oh, what falls out of his pocket, but heroin. Heroin. And then what does Stevie do? Because she is so smart. She doesn't throw it down the toilet, right? No, no. She says she, you know, she, she, she puts it in her pocket. Oh yeah. That's smart. That was so smart. And then in bursts the Secret Service or the FBI or the CIA. I guess it's the Secret Service. Secret Service. And they they scoop her up and they take her to the White House along with the husband, along with the son and the other daughter. Everyone's going to the White House. They're going to be uh, in a secure room, but they can't tell them what's going on. In the meantime, was that the best thing ever when she was getting the football and the biscuit? Yes. Yes, Leanne. I mean, there were a couple of football lines, if you noticed there. Did you notice that transition? Henry talking to his potential Russian spies about football, and then uh, she gets the football. Did you know that thing was called the biscuit, though? The 
cones? I, no, I didn't know that. I didn't know the, about the biscuit. I knew about the football. I like that. I like that, Liam. I'm glad we have people like that, that are, in, you know, doing their job. They're followers, Liam, the guy carrying the football. He's, He's in not- charge of the football. She's in charge of the biscuit. Yep. Much like the heroine, she just sticks the biscuit in her pocket. So it's <laughs> like... Isn't there a better place for the biscuit? I know. What would you do? I would get. I would get a fanny pack immediately, or, or some cross, <laughs> or some cross body bag to put the biscuit in. In the meantime, uh, in the meantime, the new Madam President has a. Uh, she is an ally in the uh, in the secretary in the assistant out front, and all she asks for is coffee. Does that coffee take forever to get there? I'm like, well, someone get her that coffee. Right away. Right away. I mean, she's I the would president. Like, I would coffee. like the president or, or Madam Secretary, I would like her to use a saucer. She's yeah. continually picking up coffee cups right. without the saucer. Yeah, and, right. you know, my, our mother wouldn't have liked that no. at all. At all. It's the Oval Office, and those things can stain that desk <laughs> they, and everything. They can't. Yeah. They can't okay. Okay. So, so then her staff comes in. Now, we haven't talked much about her staff, but apparently, if you watch TV, and this happens on many shows, four people run the entire State Department. <laughs> <laughs> It's Madam Secretary. Well, she's the fifth. And then there's the assistant, Blake. There's the speechwriter, Daisy. There's the policy guy. Uh, I don't even know what his name is. This policy guy. Policy yeah. guy. And then there's the speechwriter, Matt. Yeah. And so, uh, and several of them are having a completely unbelievable romance that we'll get to, I'm sure, later. But they're pretty psyched that she's now Madam President. And they call her that about 100 times. And they just can't help themselves. And, uh, but and, they're kind of lined up like a Broadway show. Yeah. Did you notice that where they had like a front row and a back row? Yeah. And Nadine. Yes. It's a chorus line, Julie. <laughs> it is. A, it was, they were lined up like chorus line. Exactly. So <laughs> I really need this job. Uh, so um, so even though she's now the president of the United States, they are forced once again to talk about the talent show. <laughs> so, and it's very important that you sing and participate. Yeah. <laughs> so I just can't believe it. But here you go. They are just raising the stakes. Like they got to get all souls accounted for. They, they locate the plane. The president appears to be okay. Does appear to be some problem with the communication system. We have, you know, more people coming in and out of the show. We've got the, you know, she's already always in the, what's it? The security room. What's it? The, yes. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. You know, with, uh, she's found out that she doesn't, uh, that her national security advisor that she likes very much has been fired by the president. She's not too happy about that, is she? No, she's mad about that. Yeah. She should have been in on the loop about that. And she asked why she was, and they, you know, they give her a, a bad answer. And she's the president of the United States at this moment. <laughs> so that, that doesn't go over well at all. Now, what I liked was that our former executive producer, Corny Cole, emailed me knowing we were doing this. And she said, I think they stole that storyline from Liz Dolan's story. That, you know, it's like Liz's Quicksilver exit when they didn't tell her what was going on. Corny is convinced that the writers of Madam Secretary stole that bit from the Liz Dolan storyline. What okay. do you think well, about that? Everybody, everybody's listening to our podcast, Lane, so it's quite possible. <laughs> Now, if I was the president, Liam, what would be the first thing you'd do if, when you got in that office? I know I'd order more than a cup of coffee. Yeah. I would have ordered a lot of food. Yeah. Which, just, just to see. 
I might have done some executive actions and things, uh, but I like the fact that she she did a presidential pardon. That was that was good. That was exciting. Yes, she does the presidential pardon when it's clear that the president's coming back. She only has like ten more minutes to be the president, and then the chief of staff is going to take her official pen away, and she is able to sign a presidential pardon for the hero journalist that her son is writing the paper on. So that's a nice little loop. And then um, here's the thing, though: things that are going to come back. Okay. She knows about the daughter and the president's son now. Yeah. The daughter tells the father, oh, my gosh, I have heroin in her pocket. <laughs> like, yeah. so instead, so the father, you know, even though he's perfect in every way, Tim Daly, Henry, the father, flies off the handle, talks to her about her terrible choices, her terrible this. They do nothing with the heroin, Julie. I know. I know. Where is the heroin? I mean, it's still in her pocket. And I just don't are, they have bathrooms in that security? I know. Henry, get the heroin and flush it down the toilet. So yeah. now the, you know, 21-year-old college dropout who continually makes really bad choices has heroin in her pocket. So I think we, <laughs> think we know where that is heading. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then Henry has another meeting with Jill Hennessy, NSA boss. I was surprised to see the ombre in Jill's hair, weren't you? Like, <laughs> like that? Yeah. I was surprised at the... The yes. ombre, the shading happening in her yes. uh, I, I, I don't know what that's about, Leah. Maybe to give her like a more mysterious air about her. I'm, I'm not sure. But that, that there's going to be trouble there. That's what I wrote in capital letters. Okay. Trouble brewing okay. with, with our dreamy uh, professor, uh, Henry. You know, that he's going to have a very difficult time trying to tur- turn one of those Russian students. Okay. You just, they're Russian, Liam. Okay. Let's just keep that in mind. And then finally, at the end of the day where she's been the president, she's, you know, executed a pardon. She's saved the world. Uh, she's dealt with family issues. She has to go to this dumb talent show. And I am sure, like you, Julie, like everyone else in America, when she's stressing out, breathing into a bag about singing, you are screaming, for God's sakes, you have two Tony Award winners on your staff. Phoebe Newworth <laughs> and Bettina Miller. Make them sing the stupid song. And that is, I mean, come on. And that is exactly what happens at the end. Madam Secretary, who looks unbelievable in that black dress with the cape, like was the cape built into the dress? How did that, uh, that work? Was, was that, that was dreaming land, but, uh, and I did some deep background research. Yeah. And she wore a similar dress um, <laughs> when she appeared with Tim Daly when they went to that big, the press club uh, dinner in Washington. Oh, and their first public. Same kind of dress on. Oh, so the first it public was, It was a very good look. It would look yeah. very good on you, Leanne. Yeah. That look. That's what I thought, too, Julie. I thought that. I thought that. So, okay. So she's wearing this great dress. She's watching the song. And finally, what we all want to happen happens. The two Tony Award winners get up there, and they they do their thing on stage. And the guys, the folks from Asia, they really enjoyed it, Julie. And now we understand why. Because this is their thing. They loved the wacky parody song about the Trans-Pacific trade deal. <laughs> Those lyrics were tough, Liam. Yes. I was thinking, I don't understand these lyrics. How does the audience? Okay. 
So let's hope there's more singing and dancing in the future. Maybe even a Madam Secretary musical number, now that we know who's on board there on the staff. Because I don't actually think Daisy is a very good press secretary, but she does appear. She does does have a Tony Award for appearing. But but there's going to be a holiday show. I know it. So I think there's going to be carols. That's (laughs) Right. There's going to be some big Christmas party show. And then we're going to we're going to see that. Yeah. All right. And then uh, we get some previews of next week and actual Madam Secretary Madeline Albright is going to be on the show next week. So that's exciting. Yes. Yes. OK. And but there was one on uh, uh, one sort of threatening note right at the end. Oh. And that was about the solar flares. I mean, Thank who you. who really believes in solar flares? No. Right. No one. But that, in fact, that Air Force One. The uh, communication did not go out because of solar flares. It was mal. It was a malware attack, Leon, okay. and that was an act of war. Act of war. You're right, Julie. I forgot to. I was so transfixed by um, her dress. I was <laughs> you forgot the act of yeah, war. Yeah, not the act of war. <laughs> One little tiny detail there. You know, does it seem like um, just in general she's involved in like every dis- decision for the government? I mean, does the Secretary of State like? Do they call the cabinet in that much when things happen? Like, okay, get the cabinet in here. Do you think that's how it actually works? No, I don't. Okay. I don't think they talk to each other at all. Okay, so I think the president <laughs> makes all the decisions. Okay, all right, <laughs> all right. We have enjoyed this t- this episode of Madam Secretary. We're still looking for a name for a recap show, so we'll have to have to figure that out. Uh, if you're new to Satellite Sisters and just listening to this for the first time, you can find many, many more podcasts at SatelliteSisters.com or find us on Facebook. Uh, you can also find us at Twitter, at Sat Sisters, and Instagram, the same, at Sat Sisters. We're going to be doing this recap every Tuesday uh, for the run of Madam Secretary. All right, Julie, anything else going on this week? Um, I'm, I have some urban nano duties this week. How about okay. yourself? I don't have much going on this week, okay, so that's I, good. I, I, I get okay. very busy next week, a lot of activities, but this week I'm just kind of writing and doing my own thing, and um, I, I'll, I'll admit it, I have started going to hot yoga, so we'll <laughs> Okay, we'll need a report. Yeah. It's, I like it. It's just warm yoga. It's not super hot yoga. I have to work my way up to that. So as the 12-year-old yoga instructor said, have you gone to the hot yoga? I was like, no, I'm old. So... Uh, <laughs> I'll report back, though. I'll let you know how that goes. I got a free week at a new yoga studio. Checking it out. All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.